does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. You're listening to the best of Kevin Inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Previously on Kevin Inquiry. I can't think of a worse job to have than be an SEC football kicker and miss a game-winning field goal. And I say this in all seriousness. you imagine death threats pouring in for that oh. kicker? Somebody needs to poison that boy's brisket. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> that was a tough transition, and Mark, I think, executed it very well. LSU Auburn, get a little Iron Bowl. The Iron Bowl's Alabama-Auburn. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking I, I mean, about. Yeah, Come on now. If you yes. ain't going to talk SEC football properly, you might as well get off the air. Can't have this slander. I wouldn't last for five minutes on those airways, right? If Bo Scarborough can play like he did in the Crimson and Tide spring game, I think that the Stallions got themselves a chance. Can we just do the rest of the show? We should. <laughs> this like. sponsored by Charleston Chew. Throw that candy in the freezer. Get yourself a nice summer treat. We'll be right back. Get on down to the Boot Scoot and Boogie. This Saturday night, we got a roller derby going on. That's right. <laughs> Kenny's band is going to be out there playing, and they shred it. Root beer floats and ladies on trampolines ain't nothing better than that. Don't forget to head on down to the Jefferson County Fair this weekend. We got hog races, mud wrestling, and coleslaw eating contests. Get on down there. What you waiting for? I got the Barons at plus one fifty. Wee, you want to see some boys swing some big sticks? You better get down to the Birmingham Bisons. This show is just so off the rails right now. Quarterback. What the heck is going on in Huntsville? We got it up next. Y'all come back now. By the way, speaking of that, one of the greater hits, that was early in the show's history. That was very early. Call into fine bomb, Mark. <laughs> Mark, you just found the greatest part-time job in the history of part-time jobs, right? What's that? The one you were just telling me about it. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Sorry, I got distracted by SEC football. Well, it's the same thing. (laughs) I know. Be an act at the Tuscaloosa Fair. So this is the the love that my wife and I have for each other. She shot me a text this morning. I was like, oh, it's like an I love you text. No. There's a story about earning a thousand bucks to test Bucky's snacks. She's like, you should apply. (laughs) I was like, okay. I looked at the uh, requirements. Must be 18. Check. Must live near or be willing to travel to a Bucky's location. Double check. Must be willing to try most kinds of snacks. Check, check, check. And taste test must be completed in two weeks. Boom. You got I the applied. girls for the weekend? I'll be down in what, yeah. Richmond, Kentucky. Is that I got to earn a cool grand eating some jerky. I'll be back on Sunday. Gosh, that is so enticing. I know. I've applied. Y'all just sleep TBD. in the Bucky's too. I know. Don't even need to get a hotel room. I know. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, someone, I posted on Twitter if anyone else wants to apply with me. What, what the hell are you doing? What? We can have well, a PBR party in the parking they're lot. They're only going to pick so many people. Why are you increasing your competition? Oh, I've I, Mark's I'm, fandom will shine. Yeah, over I'll everyone. bring the T-shirts. I'll bring the the mascot, the the thermos. I've got. I've got everything ready. Somebody asked me this yesterday, and Jake, I guess I'll throw it to you. Would Jonathan Taylor have a contract extension if he were healthy? I can't answer that question, Kevin, because I can't say for certain that he's not. Which there is, I'm a cynic. There's a little chicken egg there, isn't there? Would jo- okay? Let me ask you this: Would Jonathan Taylor be listed as injured if he didn't have a contract dispute? I think Jonathan Taylor would not have a contract extension if he were healthy. Um, I go back to early in the summer before, you know, I'm off site for rehab and I've missed the first 12 practices of training camp. And, you know, Chris Ballard's tone has now changed from we've got to evaluate everybody on a four win team with the new offensive staff to we've got to get him 100% healthy before we do anything. Before all of that, I mean, at this point, multiple months ago. Jonathan Taylor was upset. Jonathan Taylor fired his agent earlier this year, got a new agent for a reason, and I think that reason was that he was not happy with where contract negotiations were going between the Colts and him. So um, I 
I don't think that would be the case. I don't think this would be a slam dunk. If Jonathan Taylor had practiced through the first two weeks of camp, I I can't say with confidence that he would 1,000% be signed to an extension. Yeah, I... I first off, let, let's get to this. For those that are just waking up, good morning to you because it is gorgeous outside on a Thursday. Um, Jonathan Taylor yesterday was not at practice and it was listed as an excusable absence an excused absence and I know I totally understand and I get the frustration from fans that are like why are why do we not know what this is and why is like Adam Schefter going to be the one that tells you what it is if this makes me bad at my job so be it when I hear personal reason I I don't take a lot of things for face value I do that and if that means that he has an ill parent, if that means that he and his wife are going through something, if that means that he has a personal struggle, uh, the word personal to me means if it were necessary for me to know the specifics of it, they will let me know. I don't think it's my job to pry into that. However, I understand the cynicism people are going to have because of all the other drama that's going on with him. And the interesting thing is this is a player that – when you saw in the past with running backs, you know, Ezekiel Elliott in Dallas was like getting in trouble for pulling down a woman's top on a float and doing weird things. And we don't have that here in Indy. Character counts. And Adrian Peterson was involved in different domestic things. And we don't have that in Indy. Character counts. Jonathan Taylor's a what a wonderful guy. He's a quiet guy. He's all, he's humble. He's all about work. Those things may all still be true. I don't know, but I think part of why each aspect and each layer of this onion starts to make you tear a little more, Kevin, is the fact that Jonathan Taylor to this point has been the ultimate good teammate, good soldier, at least from the outside perception. And this all just seems to be completely in defiance of the makeup of who he has been as an Indianapolis Colt to this point, right? So therefore, everything suddenly becomes questionable. Yeah, and again, I would just share what I was told, and clearly the Colts and Taylor are not on the same page with his contract situation right now, but was told from the Colts that, and they were adamant that this is not a contract issue. His absence is not contract related, and again, these are that's someone from the side of, not on Taylor's side, if you will, from you know how he is handling this contract situation. I did not expect Taylor to practice this week. I did, I did not expect him to practice next week. But still, uh, off-site for any period of time, of course, impacts his ankle rehab and impacts um, discussions that he could be having in trying to mend this relationship. Um, the other you know, comment that, Something threw at me was, you know, we heard the Ballard clip yesterday. Ballard saying, we need to get him 100% before we do anything. You think that's pretty much Ballard saying to Taylor, until you get off the pup list, nothing's going to happen? Probably. I mean, and, and I still, what I'm curious about is if eventually he goes on the non-football injury list. Because that means that so the you, are So you still think the back injury is at play here? I think we're done with that. I don't think that. I, yeah, I mean, I, I, it, I it does feel like if that was going to be the card thrown, it would have been thrown by now. Now, right? he can stay on the pup list to start the season, and that means he's got to miss at least four games to start the year. Um, there are guys that have had that happen but to them before. But there's not the financial penalty to that that there is for non football injury list. Correct. But again, I don't think we're there. And that's the difference between like the Zach Martin situation. Zach Martin got fined nearly a million dollars for missing whatever it was, the first X amount of practices of Cowboys camp. Uh, because he didn't, he wasn't on any sort of physically unable to perform list. Taylor is on that due to this ankle issue, and so that's where he, I guess, is. I don't know if getting away with it is necessarily the right phrase to use, but he is. Um, we come back on the other side. We'll recap what happened last night at the first joint session. Again, I want to get to uh, that thought that was thrown out by Tom Pelissero of NFL Network. How can, and I guess I'll use the term that JMV has used with this situation, how can the Colts uh, massage some things, Jonathan Taylor related, from a contract standpoint to try 
and get him to be a happy camper here in 2023. We'll do that on the other side. As Jake said, a beautiful Thursday here in Indianapolis. Final day at Colts camp. Kevin Aquari here, 93.5107. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Five, the fan. The fan. All right, it's been a while since our last guest joined us. I think part of that's just due to the NBA calendar quieting down and the NFL calendar certainly ramping up, but with... Whether it's Tyrese Halliburton playing for Team USA and I guess a few other Pacers players in the World Cup as well or the NBA schedule being announced later today. We felt like it was a good time to dial up one of our favorites, certainly on a Thursday at 8.30 from Fieldhouse Files. He is Scott Agnes. Scott, good morning to you. How has the quieter time been for you? Yeah, good morning, guys. I appreciate that. Um, Things are going well. But by the way, KB, you mentioned graduation, vitamin C. I'm thinking more Green Day closing time for you guys. Mm. That's what I'm thinking about. That's Jake, what I'm that's Jake, you have shared before the Green Day closing time. The reference to that, though, is not necessarily a bar, right? What you mean the song "Closing"? Yeah, yeah semi-sonic. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, semi-sonic. Yeah. It, that's ah, a, my bad. Yeah, isn't that about? I thought. Is it me that, that referenced that? Is it about I someone's? Thought it was you? Is it someone's depression? Is that what you're talking about? Oh, really? The, is that what it was? I thought it was in. It wasn't referenced like a bar closing. Which I think a lot of people assume, right? Yeah, I can't remember actually. I feel like you have bar. Not that I've been in many bars that are closing here <laughs> lately, but back in the day, I feel like you would have some oh, bars that would play that. I mean, I've been in several when, and then the lights come on. And you're like, wait a minute. Oh, that's a nice t- Scott. I just saw your tweet. Thank you for that. Scott goes going on the Kevin and Query show for the final time as a pairing. Yes, clearly. If Hopefully seen. they've matched wits about radio songs before I come on. <laughs> Scott goes, they established a strong show. It's been well-received in the market, and I've enjoyed our Thursday chats. Scott, thank you for that. That's very nice. And uh, I echo that. We have enjoyed uh, you appearing on Thursdays, which I know there are times during the season where you have a long night on a Wednesday with a game, and we appreciate you waking up with us on Thursday mornings. No, for sure. And I think Mark knows probably better than anyone as he becomes my alarm Thursdays Mm -hmm. during the season. But no, no, I enjoy it. You guys do a great job. And I try to catch it on the podcast more more times than not. So I wish you well and look forward to see what becomes of both shows. Thank you for that, Scott. I I know the easy thing is, okay, yeah, 41 home games, 41 road games. I don't know, maybe (laughs) because I'm a planner. I enjoy like a schedule release. I like kind of seeing it, and I'm sure you probably really like seeing it just based off of your schedule. Um, Whether it's Western road trips, whether it's where the Bucks game falls, I don't know, a Jaden Ivey appearance, anything in particular you're curious about, I guess nationally televised games, anything you are interested in with the schedule release later today? Yeah, I think one thing everybody's probably curious around the league is what when does San Antonio come to town and get your get your eyes mm. on Victor Wembanyama for the first time. I mean, I I felt that hysteria at Summer League, how he sold the place out, and not just one night, but it's three nights in a row essentially. Um, so that was different. I think that's one of the the marquee games. I think the number one game most <clears throat> fans will want to see is the Golden State Warriors. Steph Curry remains the number one attraction uh, for me specifically. I'm curious uh, what that week in February will look like based on previous history leading up to the All-Star game. The Pacers will, I expect them to be away for a couple of games leading up to that All-Star weekend so that they can kind of get the building ready and the NBA really takes over and sets, sets up shop. Um, but those are the main things. And on, on, we know they don't have a Christmas game. You can probably expect that New Year's matinee game that uh, we know they always have a, a nice little homestand during the Thanksgiving week. But nothing else really pops. They used to play, Scott, it, I don't know why I'm thinking this. I, you may well be like Jake. That was like 25 years ago and it happened twice. Get over it. But I always thought it was kind of neat. I, it seemed like the Pacers typically were the opponent f- to be in Atlanta for Dr. King Day. Was that total coincidence or am I hallucinating? Uh, Memphis. No, you're you're absolutely right. They're they're almost always being part of that MLK Junior Day showcase um, or playing on that day. However, 
like last year they played on that day but were not part of you know the nationally televised broadcast but no they're very often playing on that so that's one of their kind of holiday games um that i've been tracking but back to back by the way to kb that's a big one they have seen the last couple of years one national tv game at the start of the season last year uh one the year before that three before that so can they get up to like five I think that's probably pushing it, but th- those are the things fans will want to know right away. Scott, one of the things I wanted to touch on, Scott Agnes is our guest on the Payless Sickers Hotline, um, and there's plenty of time between now and then, but for folks that are not aware, the All-Star Game, which I think is going to be fantastic, and the the outside kind of pavilion, for lack of a better phrase, that's going to be now attached to the field house will be, I think, probably a showcase epicenter of the festivities going on. We know, obviously, that Lucas Oil Stadium will be involved for the fan, a lot of the fan events. But my warning, I'll use it that way, for people would be this. I think there are a lot of people that think like, oh, this is great. I'm going to go down and get All-Star Game tickets and whatever. This is a massive, massive corporate event at this point, correct? Oh, 100%. This is is an NBA-run type event. However, it should lead to, you know, something like $100 million in economic impact. You're going to have – this is the game and the weekends televised in, like, 200 markets, countries. Like, it's an incredible reach um, globally, and that's where it differs, Jake, from, like, the NFL and the Super Bowl. Because uh, basketball, how much it's consumed more worldwide. I mean, we see right now Team USA is in Abu Dhabi, for example, right now. So um, that's the real appeal for businesses but yes that that's a good point for fans that, that we should preface with them don't don't i mean that's why that saturday night event at lucas oil when they had tickets go on sale i think a month ago that's why it was so important to try to get one of those because that would have been your one and easiest shot to take part in the true festivities now that said the one main thing that i would highly recommend and they're going to do it i've heard twice as big as salt lake city last year is that's the fan fest that's the in the convention center um, very kid friendly, interactive. Uh, last year, or excuse me, at Summer League, for example, both Tyrese Halliburton and Miles Turner had time slots where they came through, they signed autographs. Tyrese took part in a, a conversation. So that's absolutely going to be open to everyone and where you can participate. I'm sure there will be things on Georgia Street, and you're right, and in that bicentennial Unity Plaza that opens officially one week from today. Um, but in terms of official events, this is definitely a corporate, corporate event um, led by the NBA. Matty Bowen has chimed in. Closing time is not about a bar closing. It's about having a baby. Gotcha. I knew that. I, I, I thought it was about something. Yeah, having to do I just uh-huh. sent you. Matty goes, there's a great podcast I feel like Jake would love about the song. I just sent you that, that link, Jake. Closing time meaning time to get out of mom and come into this crazy world. Wow. Whoa. We cannot be way off. <laughs> I didn't, well, that'd I be did opening time, wouldn't it? I mean, yeah. well, doesn't that seem odd? Preaching closing time. time of the forty weeks. I guess I, I don't. I don't know. I did not plan to take us down this. Spot no, yet, no. Scott Agnes, uh, educate and entertain uh, at his <laughs> finest here on this Thursday morning. Scott, I like to play uh, um, a, a sharpie pen and pencil game when I'm making out a Colts depth chart. Like guys, I'd write in sharpie on question starters. Guys, I'd write in pen. Like I, I feel pretty good about them starting. And then pencil, obviously, um, much more up in the air. Uh, who are you writing in Sharpie? Who would you write in pen? And who would you write in pencil for a Pacer starting five right now? I think for certain Tyrese Halliburton, and Miles Turner. Um, Sharpie category? It, yeah, that's in your Sharpie category. Uh, then, in, then in that next category, like you could probably put Bruce Brown. Um, and, then, and then in the pure pencil to be determined, I think it's still... I, I like to, I would like to see Obi Toppin as a starting four. So Toppin over Walker, you think right now? Yes, okay. I, I think so. I really like especially maybe you don't play the long game like you did last year with Benedict Matherin, but I like that how he could come off the bench, how he could settle in. There was not that pressure. And on top of that, one thing people don't think about a lot is who you're playing against. When you're starting, you're going against their top five. When you come off the bench, you're playing against their reserves, their eight and nine best players. So you can get a little bit more acclimated and after sitting next to coaches and teammates, have a feel for their plan of attack. This is the first time, you know, Jarris will be going against these guys. Uh, And then I, I think really that wild card spot becomes the three more than anything. Um, I think it's Benedict Matherin. 
but I could I could see a very good point where you'd make it for say Buddy Heels. Um, to me, that needs to be Benedict Mather, and if he's one of your two pillars on this roster moving forward. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of had this you know torn thought. Scott, if you've heard so much defensive talk from the Pacers this offseason, so I'm thinking, okay, does that mean Buddy Heel to the bench? Because he's not the most, and this is a compliment, he's not the most defensive-minded player out there. And then, you know, Walker over Toppin, I would think, with defense. But, you know, obviously, OB, his numbers when he started, very impressive. So, um, you know, and then Matherin, he said he's the starting three. I, I yeah. mean, that was early in the offseason. Um, so I, I think I'm with you on the Halliburton-Turner, uh, but I'm a little torn once I get into the healed Bruce Brown, Matherin for two spots. I would assume Bruce Brown and, and then Obi and, and Jairus Walker I could probably go back and forth on. Yeah, with the two spot, for instance, with Bruce Brown, I'm like, you're, you're not paying him $22 million a year. Yeah. And he'd be the highest paid player on the team for him to come off the bench and, and be the seventh. Buddy has come like, Buddy's come off the bench before in his career, right? He did in Sacramento, and I don't think he liked that. Mm, okay. um, well but he, if I shot it as he, much as him, I probably wouldn't like it either. Right. And he did last year. Uh, I I think it was kind of more of a compromise as the Pacers kind of wanted him to sit and he's like, Hey, look, I don't sit. No chance. All right, well, you're coming off the bench. Let's see what Ben looks like. I mean, and what's interesting here, too, Kevin, is the guy we have not talked about very much worthwhile of a discussion is Andrew Nemhart. He should be in that position. Um, you could make a case for him to start in that backcourt with Halliburton, and then uh, he would be a defensive-minded type guy as well, and then you'd probably go with Matherin, I think. Um, but you're right. There, there's several different spots here. Um and I do mention those two where I'd put him in Sharpie. I really think Bruce Brown is there as well. So I mm-hmm. think it really becomes the three and four spot. I, they've talked so much, so much this offseason about Obi Toppin playing fast, being in transition. Well, while the second unit played really fast, wouldn't you want to capitalize off that with Halliburton? Um, and so that's something I would, I would look forward to um, of, with, with Toppin being in that starting group. Scott Agnes is our guest. He is on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Scott, I'm curious of this. Do you think schematically Indiana – I mean, when Rick Carlisle came in, you know, we knew it was going to be kind of this slow process of flipping the roster, so to speak. Do they now – you know that Hal Burton's in place. You know that you have basically the pieces you're going to try to run with here. Do they open up even more things – in terms of their schemes, or have we basically seen exactly who they want to be? I think we've seen who they want to be offensively. Defensively, there's still a lot to unlock there, and a lot of it just starts with individuals upping their defensive pressure, their their point of attack defense not getting burned, and then everybody having to react off of that. Um, we got a we got a glimpse, for example, too in summer league. Like they started out playing one way defensively uh, guys were not comfortable and completely switched it up from game one to game two. And in doing so had a little bit more success and guys were more confident in what they were doing um, out there. Here's the other interesting twist uh, that I'm curious to see how it'll uh, evolve or emerge here is at, during the July one period, right when summer league just started, Rick Carlisle came over to us and talked for like two minutes announced that Ronald Nord was leaving uh, and then as kind of a follow-up to that, I was like, all right, how does the structure look? And he goes, well, for the first time, we, we may do things differently. I may give it away from the coordinator system because Ronald Nord was really the defensive coordinator. Mike Weiner has been his longtime offensive coordinator. And, and then Lloyd and Jenny Busick came in and stepped in, and there are various ways. So uh, it seems like they're going to go a, a different route. We just don't know exactly what that might look like and how that might directly impact the players on the court. Kenny Scott Agnes, Fieldhouse Files, catching up on what's been kind of a quiet couple of weeks for the Pacers, but again, the NBA schedule release later today. Scott, I've got two more. First one would be our semi-whatever update on <laughs> Bally Sports, so I'm sure you can yeah. anticipate it. Uh, where are we at for the 2023-24 season when it comes to viewing Pacers games? Yeah, Kevin, I was told no changes. Fully expect the, the same kind of situation as last year. Uh, on Valley Sports, um, with the option of the app and all those different things. So I uh, don't anticipate any changes on that front, despite what's happening like with the corporate and parent company uh, with Diamond Sports Group and all the lawsuits and, and some late payments to other teams and, and that very various things, but no changes for the Pacers. Okay, so it's available in the same place as it was last year. 
Yes. Okay. Um, and then my last one, Jake and I talked yesterday about the in-season tournament. I, I tried to dumb it down as best I could. I don't know if it really uh, resonated with people. Um it's probably better to look at it visually than anything, but unfortunately yeah. we're not that medium right now. Um, as best you can explain it, can you kind of share you know, the in-season tournament and what that means and how you think it will have any impact at all in you know, kind of fan experience during the season? Yeah, it's a little bit confusing. I even hesitated. Do I include all the nuts and bolts to it in my story just because you can kind of get lost in the words? But this in-season tournament, it's year one for it. It's been something that Commissioner Adam Silver has been wanting and pushing for behind the scenes for several years. He's a big fan of of soccer overseas, Premier League, and and how they don't just play for one trophy each year. So this could be now a a second opportunity. We've seen it in the WNBA. We've seen it in the G League as well. Uh, The one way I commend the NBA is I think they figured it out to have designated – um, tournament nights, Tuesdays and Fridays in November, essentially, versus like WNBA. I'm not sure many people knew like two nights ago is the Commissioner's Cup, which is kind of their midseason tournament. It's, they play Tuesdays, Sundays, Fridays, very convoluted. But uh, those Tuesdays and Fridays, we know four games they will play for sure. Um, then it moves on to the knockout. Oops. Then it'll move on to the knockout stages um, if they do advance there. If not, every team is guaranteed two other games that are part of that. And all but all but two teams, the two teams that make it into the championship, Kevin, will play an additional game. So 83 games for them. And as part of it, those that advance past the group play will have that extra incentive that I heard you guys talk, reference previously, uh, which is it's a nice little bonus, up to 500000 for the championship team. Other teams that are, you know, first-round exits will get 50000 And so – um, maybe not for a guy like Bruce Brown anymore, but think about so many young guys on this roster, Isaiah Jackson, Benedict Matherin, if they got an extra $100,000, that means something. And so uh, there's that. And the other thing from a Pacers angle that I think could be will be interesting is how, one, this group has not experienced the playoffs. Tyrese, you know, Buddy Heald, none of them, Miles in four years. Um, so that's one thing. And then secondly is the fact that this group's just so dang competitive. Like Benedict Matherin is mad when he loses a possession to Gennaro Pargo after practice. So I think they'll take it seriously. And this makes those games when they're competing against the NFL season, they hope a little bit more enticing because something additional is on the line. Scott, when you were at North Central High School, you're the class of what, 99? Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, 05, 05, huh? 2008. Okay, I was thinking actually mid 2000s, but okay. So Scott, Jake thinks I'm 46 years old. And Will Haskett's 99. Is that right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. That's right. Because he was doing Gardner's games. Yep. Uh, your your class rank was what? Like how many did you graduate with? I feel like we started with like 900 and finished with like 650. Okay, and your class rank was what? I'm not sure. Did they tell us? Well, yeah, it's under transcript. I, I follow mine religiously. I was proud of the fact my, we started with 1284. We finished with okay. less than that. It sucked because then, like, as people dropped off, my rank didn't improve because the people above wow. me weren't leaving, right? It was the people below me. Um, I graduated proudly, class rank 482. So my question is, as somebody who has a class rank in high school of 482 and took three decades to graduate from college, will I be able to understand this tournament? I'm worried that I'm not going to be able to understand this tournament. You're, this is the thing I think that you Did and they outthink themselves. Is it like NASCAR stage racing? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I, I think here's here's what you'll have to consider. It's a Tuesday night in November. You know this game has a little bit on the line. They play four of these games. And basically, you're going to have to win almost every game, it seems like, to advance. But yes, you're 100% right. It's, it's overcomplicated. I'm not sure how you simplify it. I'm not a proponent of it. That said, I'm willing to give it a chance and see it because I'm open to new ideas here. But it feels, it felt at least originally a little gimmicky to me. And, and even Rick Carlisle admitted um, when he talked about it uh, at the end of last season that they were presented with this last September in Chicago during their league coaches' meetings. And back then, uh, before that, they weren't really completely on board. But after hearing them talk through it, He's intrigued by it for kind of the reasons I laid out there. But, yes, it, it is going to be a lot, especially when you're just starting college basketball season, new rosters, and everybody's uh, deep-dived into Colts and NFL season. 
Scott, we'll end with this. Mark, you said we had a question in the YouTube chat kind of related to the Jonathan Taylor situation, but more on when's the last time we've seen the Pacers have this sort yeah, of thing? Yeah, somebody asked if, they, if the Pacers have had a similar contract dispute with a player like the Colts have with Jonathan Taylor. I can't think of one off the top of my head, so I'm posing that question to Scott, if he can think of one. You know, one of the big differences in this, obviously, like the Pacers have experienced guys uh, uh, you know, that are not content with their current um, situation with Paul, with Victor, and things like that, but there's no doubt the Pacers in that situation would have offered the money. Um, but no, not, not one doesn't immediately come to mind because in this boat, you know, you usually just offer it and move on. I can't remember a guy sitting out of practice or training camp in, in recent history here because of a contract. Yeah. I, I, Jake, anything? No, I'm trying to you know, early 2000s. But. You know, my, the, I mean, this is on the way back, right? There was a time when, um, Reggie Miller, there was question, a brief flirtation that he supposedly had an offer from New York, and if I'm not mistaken, it was for $9 million a year. And I, I know that Donnie Walsh has said that Reggie Miller's agent came in, and Donnie Walsh said, look, man, we both know. Reggie means more here than he's going to mean elsewhere because he has limitation. I mean, not limitation, but you know what I mean. And his agent was like, you're right. And they ironed it right there. And there was greater speculation than reality on like tension within that negotiation. That's the only like time I've ever even remembered hearing about other than the obvious of players saying up front they wanted out and then the Pacers immediately facilitating that. You're right. And those have not been related to money or not getting what their value is. Um, that has been, well, I kind of like to go elsewhere or be in a, a different, bigger market. You're right. It didn't really work out for Victor Oladipo in that regard. And that's no, not, and, not, and, not entirely his fault. Kept, yeah. The thing I kept press, uh, stressing at that time is because of the injury, there's no way he should try to make the business decision to get to free agency. Right. If he had a healthy bill of health, if he had a full bill of health, it was the right call because he could have made you know $40 million potentially more. Yeah, and again, the NFL and the NBA comparing their contract situations, definitely not apples to apples. It's vastly different from a CBA standpoint and all of those things. Scott, enjoyed catching up with you. Appreciate the nice words via the tweet. We'll be looking for your schedule recap when it is released later today and probably, what, mid-September, late September. Love to get these conversations back on a uh, weekly basis. Sounds good, guys. Cheers. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Good to get a little Pacers conversation in. We haven't done that in a while. That'll be up on the podcast. Thank you to Scott Agnes. Get NBA schedule released later today. That was a great point that Scott made. I totally spaced on that, Jake. Uh, yeah, that Victor Webanyama game. Just one of them. That would be certainly one. Did you see Webb Miyama right now on some of the apps? Fifty to one to be defensive player of the year. Really? I that that defense I do think will be the immediate impact for him offensively. I think um, it'll take some time before it becomes you know that whatever all star caliber offensive player. But boy, his length defensively and his ability to stay in front of guards pretty impressive. At that size, let's get back into the Colts conversation. We do it now with George Bremer from the Anderson Harold Bolton, a man that I stood next to quite a lot last night watching Colts practice, and I will do the same tonight as we round out 13 practices from Grand Park. George, if you don't mind, let's go back to Tuesday. And the biggest news item on Tuesday, the naming of Anthony Richardson as the starting quarterback for 2023. If I had to play devil's advocate and say what would be the biggest question or hesitancy you would have in starting Richardson, where would you go with your answer? Uh, just uh, the inconsistency. You know, the, the idea that uh, he's probably going to have his, his rough moments. So, you know, does he maybe turn the ball over too much, put the defense that, that has its own issues in, in, in some bad situations? You know, I, I think those are things you worry about early on. Uh, I'm not so worried about. No, 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 boy. 
my computer because, you know, I don't think there's any issue with it. I'm also not concerned about uh, your guys' phone line. Seems like we got a pretty solid connection. But Are we um, blaming you know, the Anderson connection? We're going to blame us. Right. That's, us. Let's just take it's it by entirely us. Uh, by the we'll way, is George it, back real home. quick, is it freezing in here all of a sudden? Yeah, well, you know, I thought the bathroom was <laughs> hot this morning. Me? I no, hold on. So Mark is agreeing with me. The other day, all of a sudden, I thought I was going through the changes or something, and I'm like, it's freezing. <laughs> changes? Well, I mean, I'm in my 50s. I don't know. Is there menopause? Is that what it's called? Menopause? If there was, you would have it probably. It's <laughs> we might have Maddie calling back in first about the closing time actually, origin. And- actually, Kevin, here's what's odd. Shannon also just sent me the origin of the, the really? song Closing Time. So our significant others are both sending us the exact same thing. Now, if that ain't the kind of chemistry that a show's shooting for, I don't know what is. Yeah, right? are they hanging out? <laughs> They, they're probably they're out, out to breakfast therapy right now. Text, yeah, they right? are. Hanging yeah. out. Yeah. Certainly. By the way, Jude sent me a Facebook message. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll have to share That's that my older sister. One big family right. gathering we got no, going no. on right now. <laughs> Look at uh, this. George, George is back. George, apologies on that end. Uh, you were sharing that the hesitancy, I guess, would be the inconsistencies with Richardson. Would you go with O-line at all, I guess, to follow up a little bit? And maybe I'm you know, a little recency bias after last night. <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, I think that's that's always going to be a question, right? I mean, anytime you're trying to develop a young quarterback, one of the number one things is to make sure he's protected. And uh, last night did not give a whole lot of uh, comfort in that regard. George, I asked Stephen Holder this question earlier this week. Um, so I will ask you the same. If you are Chris Ballard, and this is not Chris Ballard's design, I- I'm just saying for the sake of the show and the conversation, if you're Chris Ballard, you are going to bed at night and you are saying to yourself, boy, I'm glad we have a rookie quarterback because there's so much attention on Anthony Richardson. It has distracted the fans and the media from realizing the real area of concern for me is blank. Fill in the blank. I feel like there could be a lot of blanks there. Uh, I would go with the the corner situation. There's just so little experience out there. I mean, maybe those guys are going to push each other and and come out, you know, not know what they don't know and surprise everyone. But on paper, uh, that's a scary situation in a really pass happy league. George Bremer's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. George, I asked this question to Jake a little bit ago. And I know it's a hypothetical, but I think given the length of time that he has missed and he's still the only Colt player to yet to practice in camp, it's it's relevant. Let's say Jonathan Taylor was healthy. Let's say he was participating in training camp. Would he have already put pen to paper on a contract extension? That's a good question. This whole situation is so odd. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's the health that, that that's the problem or, you know, are the Colts wanting to see – that he's the 2021 Taylor again and he's fully healthy, or is it, you know, deeper than that? Is it the running back market in general and they were never going to offer a long-term deal? I I think that's part of what makes this so hard to, you know, follow because every time you turn around, it feels like there's a a new subplot to to this whole saga. Uh, But I do think, you know, if he was out there and, and the running game looked good, which, you know, it did not yesterday either, uh, and, and you felt like he was a big part of developing this this young rookie quarterback, there'd at least be more pressure on the team to come to the table and, you know, negotiate. So uh, that whole thing, I, re- I really, my heart goes out to, to Taylor in a lot of ways because I feel like he's kind of in the same boat as the rest of us right now. You know, the bosses don't want to give him a raise, and, and there's not a lot of leverage he has to kind of force them to do it. You know, George, I go back to our June conversation with Taylor you know, pre-training camp pup list, pre-Chris Ballard, who I think his tone has changed a bit in these three weeks of camp, where with us on opening day, he barely mentions the ankle. Then you hear him on SiriusXM earlier this week, and he almost exclusively talked about the ankle and getting him 100% healthy. And when I go back to June, George, that was a frustrated Jonathan Taylor then. So when I hear the question, if he was healthy, I don't know if I can say that 100% true that the Colts would have given him the extension that he is looking for just based off the firing of the agent earlier this year and then, obviously, his comments in June well before you know he showed up on the pup list. You're absolutely right. It feels like the, the ankle thing is more of a recent uh, part of the conversation. It, it wasn't in the conversation in June. It wasn't in the conversation on the first day of training camp, you know, what, July 25th. Uh, it's just become, you know, lately kind of at, at the forefront – I think there's deep issues there, and I think the problem now is you've got both sides so dug in 
uh, in their respective camps, and neither one of them wants to budge right now. And I think at some point somebody's got to give a little bit, open the doorway to to talks to to try to settle this thing because you know time's running out. We're less than a month away from an opening game here. Something's got to happen one way or the other soon. George, which is more likely, or Jonathan Taylor? Starts a game for Indianapolis, let's say, before Halloween, or Gardner Minshew starts two of them total over the course of the season? I'll go with Minshew only because I think that that's a fairly likely situation. You just you have a line right now that there's some question marks with. You've got a very physical quarterback. I mean, if, if Richardson keeps lowering his shoulder to, to run over defenders – uh, you know, it could be more than two games for, for Minshew. We've seen that show before around here with Andrew Luck. I think they're going to want to try to get him to protect himself a little bit, too. But, you know, I think the odds of, of him getting nicked up for any young quarterback are, are always really good. Taylor, he really just comes down to so many factors. And is, is the ankle healthy? You know, when will the ankle be healthy? Uh, and But then if it is and he gets back out there, is he willing to sit out the whole season? You know, there's so many questions left to be answered there uh, that it's hard for me to, to, to put any kind of faith, you know, as far as when he'll he'll start a game for the Colts this year. He is George Bremer. He is with the Anderson Herald Bolts and does an outstanding job covering the Colts. Um, George, do you th- – well, let me go here. Should Anthony Richardson play on Saturday in the preseason game, number two? I think so. Um, not you know, not even maybe a full quarter, but um, talking to Coach Venturi out there the other day, you know, do you really want him to go out there for the very first time on September 10th at home, you know, and never have taken a snap in Lucas Oil Stadium before? Also, you know, we talked about it a billion times. You've only got 13 starts under your belt since high school. 14 now with the the quarter in Buffalo. I think every chance for him to see live action where he's not wearing a red jersey is important and even if it's just a series even if it's three and out uh i think every every minute for him in the huddle uh in a game situation is valuable for him and valuable for this football team george we had um scott agnes on a few minutes ago and i explained to him how i like view depth charts and so apologies for getting a little long-winded here but I basically think in my mind, okay, that guy's a Sharpie on the depth chart. Like, no question. Quentin Nelson, you just write him down in Sharpie. Then you got guys in pen. Uh, you know, maybe Josh Downs would be like a pen guy for me right now. And then you write guys in pencil, which is like super up in the air. What position groups would you write in pencil right now? Where are the position battles still alive in your mind heading into the back half of August? Running back, right? Because you have no idea. They've been rotating, and Deion Jackson's at the top of that list. But when Zach Moss going to be available? You have no clue how that's going to shake out. I think tight end uh, is another one where you've seen the, the top guys, at least the guys we thought were the top guys, coming into camp. Mo Alley-Cox, Jelani Woods, Drew Ogletree have missed a lot of time. A lot of Farrell Brown out there now. I think Kylan Granson might be in pen, but but the rest of that group, you know, who knows how that's going to shake out. Um, I think defensive end is that way. You know, Quiddy Pays on one side. You assume Samson Ebukam's on the other side, but he missed some time as well. I, injuries have been kind of a stealthy, I think, situation here because it hasn't been like a couple of years ago where people were going to the foot doctor every week and it was an obvious situation uh, that, that there were starters going left and right. There have been a lot of guys that have missed a week here, two weeks there, and a lot of those guys are at positions where there's competition. So I think there's another reason why you'd like to see the starters play a little bit against the Bears because they haven't really had, you know, with Buckner out, I don't think they've had the 11 projected starters on defense once you know, so far in camp, and even on the offensive side, maybe a couple days. I mean, it, there's just been guys in and out of the lineup that I think most of that depth chart's probably in pencil right now. You know, Andrew Luck would have been written in mechanical pencil, right? Every time you started to get it, the it snapped, the lead breaks, and then you got to start over again, right? I think in the two years Absolutely. of us doing this, that's one of your worst ones. <laughs> I, I, I think it's actually. In my opinion, that sucked. Hey, George, George agreed with you, but then he'll pull me to the side tonight and say, I actually agreed with Kevin. <laughs> okay, George, here's one of my famous questions that I haven't done yet with this year's roster. I will allow both you and Kevin 
to um, opine on this. George, you are a father of how many children, George? Just one. Just one, okay. And a daughter, right? Yep. Okay. Um, Kevin, you are a parent of two. Uh Uh-huh, yep. From what you guys can tell, and we never fully know players, I always, always say that, but from what you can tell from being around it, um, we're going to take DeForest Buckner off the, the schedule because if you guys are out of town, he might do a beer Olympics. You're, you're going to go out for a nice evening for dinner and a movie, and you have to pick two Colts players to come in that you think would most responsibly be really good babysitters that your kids would enjoy and you would totally trust that they're going to be able to, to do the right things. You're picking who? George, you go first. <laughs> I'm start with Grover Stewart. I mean, there was a little bit of a of a fight, you know, yesterday uh, during special teams, and he just walked into the group and it stopped. Everybody got silent right away, and he just stood there and kind of smiled like he he knew what he'd done. So I think he'll keep her in line. I, I don't feel any any worries about you know the house burning down when he's here. They'll have fun uh, cooking dinners, right? Uh, They'll have m- imagine the uh, bedtime I, voices yeah. you get from Grover reading a book before they go to bed. <laughs> I mean, that is awesome, and great wings certainly. Yeah, yeah kitchen sink wings i mean yeah. you, you can't beat that I, I think all around and then you know um I, I, for my second choice i'll probably go with kylan grant and he's into reading uh so maybe can help with with homework you know she doesn't like to read as much as she needs to now so give her a little push there you know a little educational side of things okay I like it. so am i purely going off of uh they would keep the house upright and everyone would behave or is there a little bit of fun and entertainment uh, i think more it? so like who you think are just good people that y- y- you know would okay. be trusted and are mature and you know. okay i'll go with zaire franklin yeah, that's one. a good one. That's a good um, one. I do like George's answer on Grover Stewart. I'm trying to look on the offensive side of the ball. You know, the the obvious choice in recent years would have been a Jack Doyle there. Um, I think Michael Pittman would have a good balance. I know Pitt's got a couple young young kids as well, so that would kind of add up from an age standpoint. I, I don't think you know diapers or you know spit up here or there would be anything uh, too too crazy for him to handle. So I'll go Pittman, but maybe Gardner Minshew. I could see Rosie wanting to style Gardner Minshew's hair. A little, little different hair than her father has. Okay. Gardner Minshew would be cool. That, that, probably good fashion, by the way. By the way, if you're going to uh, – Kevin, you'll like this. If you're going to Colts camp today, stop by Quack Daddy Donuts. $3 oh, off Kevin, a right? dozen. Uh, $3 off a dozen donuts. Kevin is the code word today. Use the code word Kevin. You're going to get $3 off. Also, buy one, get one uh, coffee Buy one, and the second is half off. Easiest way to say that. Um, they've got fabulous donuts there. I mean, whether you're talking about the vanilla icing, peanut butter, grape jelly, the peanut butter and jelly, the fruity pebbles, all of it. 161st in Spring Mill. Right Quack there. Daddy. Code word, Kevin. Uh, George, we'll end with this. Um, Tom Pelissero, NFL Network, was on with Rich Eisen a couple days ago, and I thought he threw an interesting Jonathan Taylor resolution out there, and I'm curious your thoughts on it. Pelissero said you would give him a one-year extension. It'd be a fully guaranteed $12 million extension. So basically, if you look at this season, 2023, and 2024, you're looking at about a two-year deal, you know, $8 million annually. You're front-loading the franchise tag, if you will. You're guaranteeing that franchise tag, and then you would say to Taylor, after this season, we can talk about a contract extension. Does that make sense to you, and do you think that would make sense to these parties involved? It makes sense to me, you know, because I think the plan, at least in some ways, is is to franchise them next year, which I think would go horribly, you know, based on this offseason so far. I think you give him some of that guaranteed money up front. It gives him a little bit of peace of mind going out there and putting his body on the line this year. Uh, I think that's a really good solution. Now, whether or not, uh, you know, Taylor and his side will. It depends on if they want that long-term deal, but it would give him, I think, some comfort now uh, and you know boost that money above what the franchise tag would be next year. The you know the one thing that's consistent, George, probably for every NFL franchise, but the one thing that's been consistent about the Colts for the last ten years that I've said is there's always drama, right? And 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 maybe George, that's true. If you were a Dolphins beat writer or a Cardinals beat writer or a Broncos beat writer, we don't know because we don't cover those teams. But it does seem like there's always something to talk about. Always, and usually something on, on a grand scale. 
I was going to say, this one is actually, I mean, this is national stuff. I mean, I feel like anytime you see these guys make their appearances on the respective national shows, the Jonathan Taylor situation is there. Jake, you got one more? I do. George, I have a um, kind of a bi-monthly non-football question for you. You ready? I've asked, I've asked you this probably a billion times, but I think it's worth revisiting because I do think it's important to people, uh, myself included. What What's going to happen with the wigwam? Like, is there, It seems like that's another one, that there's always some change about what the next idea is going to be. I know that they're, at one point they were going to they were gonna spruce it up and use it for like ABA basketball. Um, where do things stand now with the one of my favorite venues in Indiana basketball history, the Anderson Wigwam? Yeah, unfortunately right now, I think there's a better chance of Taylor getting a long-term deal uh, in Indy than there is of, of the Wigwam you know, coming back in, in any near future. Is it a historic? Uh, it, is it on the historic registry? Is that why it's not been completely raised? I, it's been bought by, uh, I think, the Jane Pauley Foundation. Um, it, they've, they've had it for close to a decade now. Uh, everything around the Wigwam, the school, the, the building outside of the gym is being u- is in use. Uh, you know, the gym itself just kind of continues to sit there. It, it's absolutely a shame. I mean, at one point, there was talk of the G League going in there, you know, and Fort Wayne on the way to Noblesville now, and at one point, there were rumors uh, that they were going to come play in the Wigwam. I think that would have been a really interesting situation, but um, it, everything, when you talk to people at the school, you know, because they're trying to look to get, get the Indians back in there, uh, it doesn't look like that there's a deal anytime soon that's going to get that place back up and, and running the way that, that it should be. Such a shame. I get it. Father time's undefeated. Different life. Different, you know. What I year was the last game, last Anderson game played in there, George? I want to say 2011. Um, it's been you know a while now, and it's hard to even imagine it's been closed as long as it has. What year was the school fire? That was ninety six. And at that time, Anderson High School—that was at the Anderson High School school that basically burned down. And then the high school then moved to what had formerly been Madison Heights. Is that right? Yeah, they were already over there at that okay. time. So gotcha. that, okay. that was helpful. They had just moved there, but yeah. Um, you know, talk about history, both in terms of what's happened in that gym and, and, and everything that's gone on around it. Uh, you could write novels about the Wigwam. Yeah. Adam sure. Alexander and I almost got kicked out of the Wigwam broadcasting a North Central Anderson game in 1990, for what it's worth. <laughs> We were on the stage. Some lady said that we were being too loud. And I'm like, we're, we're calling a game on the radio. What are we supposed to do? She was not pleased. How can you be too loud at a basketball game in Indiana? Especially the wigwam, right? George, I don't get that. George great, great stuff. Uh, always appreciate you hopping on with us, and uh, I'll see you tonight out there. No problem. Thanks a lot, guys.